Well, that salvation that God has given us is much deeper than what we take it for. It, it thank God, is a gospel of forgiveness and a gospel of cleansing and a gospel of recreation of who we are. But the greater depth of that gospel is that we were forgiven, we were cleansed, we were recreated to become something even greater. Not just uh, to, to have those things wiped away and, and just go on from there, but to be able to enter into the kingdom. You see, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. Living in the kingdom is so much better than just living in this world as a forgiven person. I mean, so many times we settle for too little. Um, just to, to escape hell is not the boundless mercies of God. God has something greater, and it is called the kingdom of God. It is where God's love and life itself flourishes, as in the Garden, garden of Eden, where we were meant to enjoy the fullness of life. And so God has called us into that kingdom and to start that kingdom right now in this world, though it has not been consummated and we have not been brought into the fullness of it, we are called to be the foundation and roots of the kingdom in this life. And so we have been looking at uh, this this message that Jesus himself brought. Our text uh, scripture we've been looking at in Mark when it says that after John was put in prison, Jesus came out of Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And we've talked about that so many times. We, we talk about Jesus preached the gospel, but we have limited the gospel just to uh, the salvation. But he preached the gospel of the kingdom, which means salvation is just the doorway. It is just the beginning. Now, it is a necessary door, and there is no other door to make it into the kingdom. And so, we thank God for salvation, and it is the only way. We know that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. And we thank God for that redemption through salvation. But I thank God that we can enter through the door and into the horizon of what he has. It was the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus talked about. Um, we know that he... Over and over again, when he told his stories, they were not just stories. He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. This is how you are to be in the kingdom. He went on and it said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here now. So repent. See, that's the salvation. We do need to repent. We need to find cleansing. But he said, beyond that, and believe in the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, the good news that Jesus has overcome the kingdom of the world and has opened up the kingdom of God. And so we've been looking at to enter into that kingdom, to begin to take advantage and begin to uh, walk in that kingdom, there has been assignments that he has given us. Because as citizens of the kingdom, how many know we all have a place in that kingdom? Uh, to, to make the kingdom uh, uh, fruitful and, and work, God has given us assignments. This is the love of God that although he could do it all by himself, he chooses to do it through us. In fact, it is his good pleasure to work through us. 
And so we have been looking at the assignments that he has given us to make the kingdom something real, that the world could see the kingdom and be drawn to the kingdom. Um, You see, we cannot just always preach a a word of salvation because I'm going to tell you, let's be honest, you, you talk to some people, they're happy in their sin. I don't, I don't want to do, get rid of my sin. But Jesus offers more than just forgiveness of sins. He offers a new life. He says, I've come to bring life abundantly. We need to begin to shine the life of Jesus, not just uh, the warnings and admonitions to turn or burn, right? Um, uh, this is what is going to draw the world. So today we have, uh, are going to look at a new story as we've been moving through the Bible and uh, looked at those who have, who have heard the call of God. Uh, we started early in the Bible with Noah, that he, he was the first to receive the call to the kingdom. And the way that he brought the kingdom of God was through building. And we are called to build the kingdom. We are called to build this thing called the church. Um, we are uh, being built together as a great, beautiful temple where the Holy Spirit is able to dwell within us. And so we need to begin to build um, and, and be built upon. And then last week we, we talked about Moses. And he received the call because God saw his people and God hears our cries of hurt and, and frustration and the things that we are in. And so he called Moses to go and to fight for my people, to call them out, to, to deliver them out of their bondage. And we all are called to fight for one another. And we talked about that last week, that as a church, as a family, as a body, we are to come alongside one another, to carry one another's burdens, to lift one another up, to fight for one another. And even if it means laying down our life, you see, this is what Jesus did for us. He said, there's no greater love than if you lay down your life for a friend. And yet so many times... We live for ourselves and just give token to the body. And yet God has called us to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. To begin to fight for the body of Christ, to begin to fight for the church, to begin to fight even for those outside the church that are, that are hurting and lost. We are called to fight for one another. But today we're going to look at uh, uh, a person who's one of my favorite in the Bible And so we're going to pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, a little bit set the stage for this. Uh, uh, We all know what happened, and this is starting with the life of Elijah. Now, Elijah was a great man of God, called by God to be a prophet, uh, to to speak out in the northern kingdom uh, that was totally wicked. Uh, King Ahab and, and Queen Jezebel. Uh, had totally turned from God, and, and he was the one who spoke uh, for God in that darkness. We know the story that they had the little competition uh, where you build an altar to Baal, and I'll build an altar to God. We're going to find out who the true God is, and whichever God will send down fire, uh, then we will turn and serve that God. And we know the story that they built their altar, and they called on their God all day long, all uh, you know, they even begin to cut themselves. They begin to cry out. Nothing happened. Uh, all day long, he began to mock them. Where's your God? Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe you need to wake him up and, and uh, uh, so on. And Elijah finally said, okay, you've had enough time. And he's fact, before I call on my God, pour water over the sacrifice. Let's drench it because let's make it even harder. And, and they begin to pour water over uh, the sacrifice. And Elijah made a simple prayer. 
said, God, you have heard me. Show us who you are. And fire from heaven came down and, and consumed not only the sacrifice, but all the water and, and all there was. And we saw that God showed himself to be the true and only God. And so Elijah had a great victory. The people turned against the prophets of Baal. And he wiped out and executed uh, uh, tons of, of wicked prophets. But it didn't work. The nation did not turn away uh, from Baal. And in fact, Jezebel, we know the story, she came to Elijah and she said, you know what, how dare you kill my prophets? She was so mad. Um, She said, uh, uh, if it is in my case, by the end of the day, I will have your head. And this was not the response that Elijah was looking for. You know, he was thinking, oh, well, God, you're going to just bring great revival and everything's going to turn. And he ran for his life. He went from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. And we know that he ran for his life, and uh, God told him, okay, you need to go to this certain place. And he ran there, and God took care of him, and he waited for God to show up. And we know the story. As he prayed, uh, uh, some things happened, and so we're going to pick it up in verse 12. God sent a, a great wind. And uh, he went out, oh, the wind is blowing, it's God, it wasn't God. And he sent an earthquake, and it says, and after the earthquake came, God wasn't in the earthquake. A fire came, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle And he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, and I love this, this is how we get the self-pity. You know, I've done everything and, you know, what woe is me. Elijah said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts. Because of the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, they've torn down your altars and they killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and yet now they seek to take my life. Here's the response, and this is the call. Then the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. And also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Mahola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. And it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu you will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet you need to know, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal. And every mouth that has not kissed him. You see, he wasn't the only one. He didn't realize, there was over 7,000 in the northern kingdom alone that had not bowed the knees. He said, you're not alone. You think you're alone. But I want you to go. And I want you to anoint these people who are going to come after you. And it says, so he departed from there. 
And he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And so we come to this place that Elijah heard the call of God. And this was the call of God. Elijah, one thing you have to do is you've got to pass it on. You see, I'm not done with you, Elijah. You see, Elijah thought, I've done everything and it didn't work. You know what? I've been faithful and I don't see any difference being made. And God said, because you're not done. You are not done. You are called not just to make an impact in yourself. You are called to pass it on to the next generation. There is a torch that still needs to go forward. But it's not going to go forward if you don't do your job and pass it on. You see, this was the assignment that Elijah had. And it wasn't an assignment just to call a, uh, uh, a successor and then go and die in a cave uh, of self-pity. When he called him to anoint Elisha, it was not just to say, okay, okay, it's your mantle, you take it, son. It was to raise him up. It was to train him. It was to walk before him. It was to bring him into his life and begin to make him ready for what the, the call that God had on his life. This is what it means to pass it on. This call for Elijah was a renewal of meaning and purpose in his life. You see, he said God was telling Elijah, no matter what you've done, maybe you think you have finished the job. You're never done until you have passed it on. And you have not passed it on until I take you away. Because until I take it away, you have something to give. And I think this is the call that God is giving us. We are called to pass it on. We are called to raise up the next generation. We are called to raise up those around us. It's not even always the next generation. Maybe it's someone right next to us. Maybe it's someone with us that, that we have something to give. This is what God is saying. You've got something to give to someone else. And if you're still breathing, you need to begin passing something on. Now, we might think, I don't have anything to pass on. And yet God says, if you know me, you can pass that on. Because all you have to pass on is what God has done for you. You need to begin to then find out what has God done for me. I think many times the reason we don't pass it on is we don't stop and look at what we've got. We don't realize the grace and the mercy and the great good things that God has done for us that we need to share with others. It's not something complicated. He did not call you to teach all the ins and outs of doctrine and, and things that uh, only scholars talk about. What you have to pass on is the love of God, a fire within you. Now, here's the truth. Many of us don't have a fire to pass on. And if that's the case, then God's calling you to light your torch again so that you can pass it on. If your torch has gone out, you need to light it again. Maybe today the call for you is to light your torch again because someone else needs it. Maybe God is here to, today to speak into your heart and, and to give you something 
that you can pass on. But God has been calling us throughout history to give what he has given to us. You see, it only takes one generation to walk away from God. It probably takes less than that because so many times what we think we've passed on, we haven't passed on. To truly pass something on means we've got to embed it. You cannot just teach it, go through a script and read it. Did you hear that? Okay, yes, okay, then you got it. Because kids or even friends or work people in the workplace, they do not learn just by what we say. They learn by day in and day out what we live. That's why Elijah was not called to teach Elisha. He was called to bring Elisha into his life and live it with him. To let Elisha see his life. Let his life begin to mold. You know the saying uh, that uh, things uh, in our children or around us, uh, the things we want are not taught, they are caught. Right? They, they are not taught. You cannot teach them. They have to be uh, uh, absorbed into their life. They are caught through our life. And so Elijah began a new journey of walking with Elijah, a new purpose in his life. Maybe some of us, we need to begin to see a new purpose in our life, no matter what age we're at, whether we're young or whether we're old. I'm going to tell you there are young people in here that you need to begin to be a mentor. I've seen elementary kids begin to, to te- speak into their friend's life. It doesn't matter how old you are. And it doesn't matter how, how young you are or old. Because no matter how much we've had, we've got something still to give. This is the greatest uh, place in the scripture. In fact, the Jews call this the great Shema. And so let's read it in Deuteronomy. This, is, this was the foundation of everything the Pharisees. You remember the Pharisees that uh, Jesus came against that didn't accept him. Uh, but this was the foundation of everything that they lived upon. But I'm going to show you one spot where they, where they took the wrong turn. And many times we've done the same thing. But yet the truth that's in here is still the truth today that we've got to begin to hear and to put in place. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in fact, you'll notice this because this is where Jesus answered so many of the questions on the commandments and really brought them back to, because they had forgot what this said. They were so caught up in the law that they had forgot what the great Shema at its heart really said. Deuteronomy 6 Verse 1, it says, now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you. You and your son and your grandson, you see there is legacy. We are called to legacy, to passing it on. It is not just what we have done, it's what have you done for the next generation. Your sons, your grandsons, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, that you may 
multiply greatly as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Now that's the very beginning right there. You shall love the Lord your God with everything about you. Not just on Sundays, not just as a token of of your life to get away from sin. You must love the Lord your God as if he was very life itself. And you must keep this in your heart. You see, that is the root of all the commandments. And that's where we get away from it. Because from there, we read on and the rest of it begins to be a little bit, we can do these things. But look what it says. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You've got to pass it on. You shall talk of them. And them means the words of God, the commands of God, the love of God. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Does that sound just like a little token part of your life when you go to church on Sunday? He's saying God himself needs to dwell in you so much that every part of your life is filled with God. When you are in your house watching TV, when you are on the way walking at work, when you're with your uh, 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 friends at play, when you lie down, when you rise up, Every moment of your life, you should be so consumed with a passion for God that it begins to be caught by them. And we teach it diligently. We teach this diligently to our children, to those around us. It says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, this part, they took literally. And God was just saying, it should be so much a part of you that it's on your hands when you do something, that it's between your eyes, that everywhere you go, it goes before you. And yet, they begin to do it literally. In fact, you'll see some of the Orthodox Jews still today, they have little boxes uh, wrapped around their hands and on their heads where they have the commandments of God written in there. And, And so, they took this literally, and yet they did not Keep it in their heart, which to do these things literally, to write it on their doorpost and at their house, but yet not walk in it in their heart becomes just superfluous. He goes on and says, so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Even the name of God is a God of passing it on to generation, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He will give you a large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and you are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. 
You see, here's the whole point. If we do not love the Lord our God with all our hearts and all our strength and all our might, and if we don't begin to let that love be passed on to our children, to our friends, to our neighbors, if we do not pass it on, here's what he says. Here's the, here's the, the warning. Even though God blesses you, you will forget who has blessed you. And you see, that's the problem. When we don't pass it on, we begin to forget. When we don't begin to be people that see our purpose, that my purpose is to speak into others. My very reason for knowing Christ is that I have something to share. And if I stop sharing, you know what you start to do? You start to forget. You start to think that it's all about me, that God just saved me and I'm okay. I said a prayer one day and I'm not going to hell, so I'm fine. And God says, beware, because you're forgetting. You're forgetting the God who brought you out. And you're forgetting what I've asked you to do. To begin to love so much that it is passed on. You see, our assignment is to pass it on. Our assignment is not just to know God and keep it to ourselves, But it is to ask ourselves every morning when I wake up and when I lay down, what can I do? What can I do to, to show who God is to someone tomorrow. Today when I wake up, what can I do to show my kids who God really is? Not just teach them and bring them to church. So many people say, well, I raised my kid in church and I don't know why he turned out this way. Because uh, God didn't call you to raise him in church. He called you to come to church, yes, but to let your life become part that they see your passion for the body, that they see your roots in the, in, in the kingdom of God and they themselves begin to find those same roots. Because if we don't, not only do we forget, but the next generation forgets very fast. You see, just because they went to church, just because they were taught the stories, means nothing unless it is rooted in them because we loved God with all of our heart and mind and strength and everything that we did. Until they see a life of passion, a life that prioritizes God, not a life that puts God in a, uh, a box of your life. God has a place in our life. If God just has a place in your life, you're not passing it on. You know what you're passing it on? Because that place in your life is going to be smaller in your kids and then smaller and smaller. They will forget. And God said, beware lest you forget. We need to pass it on with our life. See, Paul, he passed it on. Paul was a great uh, person that not only taught great things, but he put it in practice. And I just want to look at two words that he spoke uh, to those uh, that he passed it on to. And we know the two disciples that he raised up from, from, from young age is Timothy and Titus. Timothy and Titus came to know the Lord, and Paul did not just preach him, he brought them with him. He walked it with him. He says, I want you to see what it looks like to live for God. He didn't just teach them and show them the scriptures and this is it. He said, now I'm going to show you. Are we showing people what it looks like to live for God? Or are we just showing them what it looks like to give lip service to God, to give God a moment in our life? Here's what he told them to do. 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, you therefore, my son... 
Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit those to faithful men who will be able to then teach others also. He said, Timothy, I've poured my life into you, but here's the call. You need to now teach those to others. You need to begin to live your life and begin to pour your life into others. If you don't have someone to mentor, this is what church is all about. We can mentor one another. You know, it's not just about finding a a, a young person, even one another. We need to begin to speak into one another. We need to begin to pour ourselves into faithful people around us. And I want to call on our older people. We need to... We need to find people to, to speak into. Even our young people in, in here, you need to begin to take time even to get to know our younger, our younger people. Are we willing to speak into them? He said, Timothy, you need to begin to teach what I have given you to those around you. We need to pass it on. We need to find ways past it. Is it easy? No, you might say, well, I don't know how to. You know what? Pray and you find a way. I'm not telling you it's something that's going to be not inconvenient. But if you have a heart, you pray, God, I want to make a difference in a next generation. I want to make a difference uh, in someone else's life. And the next generation does not necessarily mean age. It may be a new Christian. Sometimes there's a new Christian who is a senior uh, citizen that we still need to pass on. I, I love the example of before she passed away. It was just an awesome thing. Sister Vincent. Uh, if many of you remember uh, Sister Vincent, who uh, uh, I, I talked to her son, David, who, of course, was part of our church many years ago and married the pastor's daughter and became a pastor himself. And yet his mom never came to church here. And then when we were here several years ago, she made a commitment and came back to the Lord. And, and to see her face, I used to love her face. She was a new generation even though she was uh, uh, in her senior years. See, it doesn't matter of age that we need to pass it on to. Sometimes it might be an elderly person that we need to pass it on to. That is our neighbor that just because they are elderly doesn't mean they don't need to know the Lord. That we don't need to reach out. Sometimes we only think of young people reaching out, but we need to reach out To anyone that needs it. And then he talks to Titus. In Titus chapter 2, Paul says this, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober and reverent, temperate, sound of faith in love and patience, that the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they would admonish the younger women, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, and in all things, show yourself, look at this, don't just teach, but show yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. He said, Titus, be a pattern for those. He talks about young men, older men, young women, older women. You see, we need to begin to 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 just say, who can I pass it on to? That's what the church is, is about. 
Are we living our life as a pattern for others? Are we living it out so that others will catch the fire that's within us? You see, many times you might say, I don't know how to share it with someone else. You know what? When you have a spark and you begin to walk through a field, you don't have to do too much. Things will catch on fire. The problem is, the reason is not how can I share it. The, the thing we need to pray is God just put me on fire so much that even when I walk among one another that people will catch it. If you're on fire enough, you'll share it with others. People will see the pattern of your life. They'll see the passion of your life. They will see what, see our kids see what's really important to us. They look beyond what we say to how we live our life, to what the true priority is, and we need to pass it on. Well, not only do I want to talk about passing it on, and, and maybe that's mostly to those of you who have known the Lord for a while. You, you need to begin uh, to, to, to rev it back up. Maybe it's gotten wound down a little bit. Maybe our coals have grown cold. You might say, I've done my work like Elijah. I've done it, and I'm sitting in the cave. And it's God saying, no, I'm not done with you. Maybe you need to light it up again. You need to begin to rekindle the fire within you. But not only that, it takes two. I want to talk to maybe those of you in here that are younger. Or maybe there are, are newer Christians uh, and even our younger people. Not only do we need to pass it on, but we need people that are willing to take it on and pass it into their life. You see, when Elijah went by and laid the mantle on Elisha, Elijah was committing himself that I'm going to give my life to you. But here's also the great thing of passing it on. And maybe we have, we have known the Lord for a long time, but maybe we need to receive it again. Maybe we need to start receiving it again because I need to rekindle that fire that's within me. So maybe we need to do what Elisha did. We've looked at what Elijah's call was, but what about Elisha? Let's pick up the story back in 1 Kings again, chapter 19. We ended where Elijah threw the uh, mantle on Elisha. But it says, then Elisha left the oxen and ran after Elijah. And he said, please let me kiss my father and my mother, and I will follow you. And he said to him, go back, for what have I done to you? And so Elisha turned back to, from him, and he went and took a yoke of oxen, and he slaughtered them, and he boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment, and he gave it to the people, it's usually in his town or his family, and they ate. Then he arose and he followed Elijah and he became his servant. You see, Elisha saw the opportunity to receive the torch. He saw Elijah saying, I want to offer you to pass it on to you. And here was his response. I want that torch. I want to receive what you have, Elijah. He saw it as an honor to receive from God. We need to, do we see it as an honor to receive God, to receive the torch that God is passing on to us? Again, 
It can be any of us. Maybe we've served the Lord for years. We need to receive the torch again. Maybe you're a young person here. I want to encourage you. Do you understand the value of what's being offered to you that as you have been brought to church, as, as you are being uh, 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 trained up here at the church? Now, look what Elisha did. He went and says that he, he sacrificed the oxen that he had. And he broke up the equipment that used it. You know what that meant? It meant he burnt all his bridges behind him. You see, he was a farmer. And apparently he was a rich farmer. And to have 12 yoke of oxen, that, that's a pretty good thing. He was probably a pretty big uh, person in, in his village. But he said, I'm not going to leave this so I can come back and farm if it doesn't work out. Instead, he offered as a sacrifice the oxen and all the equipment. As a sacrifice in front of everyone else. And then he went and followed Elijah. If we are going to receive the torch that God has so that we can then pass it on, there's a sacrifice that needs to be made. Sometimes you've got to cut off those things that are holding you back to this world. Because you can't serve both. You can't say, I'm going to serve the Lord as much as I can, but I always have an option to go do this. And when I get tired, I'm going to fall back and do this. No, Elisha said, I'm, I'm cutting it off. I'm making the decision. It's God or nothing. See, and too many times we've tried to do much. Yeah, I'm serving God, but we're holding on with our hand to those things that we don't want to give up. God's looking for some people that are willing to burn the bridges and with both hands take on what God has. I think some of us here, we need to begin to burn some of our oxen. We need to sacrifice those in front of maybe even others. Maybe others that knew we were Christians, but they also knew that being a Christian sure didn't keep us from doing whatever we wanted with them. So therefore, they really knew what was more important. We need to, in front of them, say, you know what, from this point on, you need to know that my life is fully on fire for God. And if that means I don't have time for this anymore, then you'll know where I'm at. But thank God he is going to be my life and I'm going to be able to pass it on to those that are around me. It got so much that look at a few years later when Elijah was going to be taken away from him, Elisha says, Elijah... I'm here not just to follow you, but I want more than you. So Elijah, when they're traveling, and we knew it was time for Elijah to go to be with God, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And here's what Elisha's response is. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. He says, nothing is going to tear me away from you, Elijah. I committed myself to receiving this torch, and I'm going to, I'm going to obtain it. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And so he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, 
If you see me when I'm taken away from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it will not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire. And it separated the two of them. And Elijah was taken up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And so he saw him no more. And he took hold of his clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah definitely rests on Elisha and they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him you see Elisha did not just learn from Elijah but he began to desire the God of Elijah we need some people that begin to desire not just what my parents have but I want something more When we begin to desire more, the only way we begin to pass it on is when we ourselves desire what God has for us. We need some young people that are beginning, that will say, I I want a double portion. I I want more than what I see at church. In fact, I know that church should be more than this, and I'm going to be part of the way that we bring it back to revival. You see, when you decide in your heart that I want more... Maybe your parents, maybe those you see around you, they seem dead. You say, I don't want to be like those in church like that. I'm sorry for the rest of you in church. If that's you, then heaven forbid that God would give us the fire of Elijah so that they wouldn't think that. But if there's those of you sitting here, I pray that you begin to say, I'm not going to become like that. And I'm going to, I'm going to reach for a double portion I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to say nothing is going to separate me. I'm going to be there so that when the mantle falls... I want to get it. I want people after we leave, I want to hear that, that people in the town are saying, you've got more anointing than was ever there before. And that does not bother me at all. I want to see you guys begin to get more on fire when I'm gone than when you were now. Because that is the only thing that matters is that we begin to say, God, I want the Holy Spirit to fall upon me. That's what it means to pass it on, to go to the next level. See, Paul says, until we begin to say, I have not achieved it yet, so therefore I'm going to keep pressing in. I'm going to keep pressing in. You may have been here for 80 years. We need to have a spirit of Elisha that says, I still want more. I'm going to press in. I'm not going to just sit back and rest on my laurels, but I'm going to say, God, fall on us again. That's the idea of passing it on that we need to see. And we look back at Timothy again and Titus. This is... What Paul encourages him, 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing as I remember you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. For when I recall 
to remembrance, the genuine faith that is in you. And look at this, this picture of legacy that was in your grandmother Lois, and then it was in your mother Eunice, and now I am persuaded that it is in you also. Here's the stir. Therefore, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You see, Paul's saying, you've got a legacy, but don't let it stop with you. This church has a legacy, but don't let it stop now. We've been here for almost 100 years, 95 years next year. But let's not let it stop here. It's been in our grandparents. It's been in our parents. And I know it's in us, but we need to stir it up. You see, Paul says, you may have a gift, but you've got to stir it up. Young people, you've been taught, but you've got to stir it up. If you don't take that step of making it happen, we will forget. And it will slowly slip away. We go a little bit farther in the chapter and he says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you Keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. There's the charge. That thing that was given to us, we need to begin to keep it through the Holy Spirit. And to keep it means to keep it going, passing it on. So today I want to ask you, are you passing it on to someone? Are you speaking into someone's life? It may be a family member. It could be a friend. It could be a neighbor. It could be a coworker. We need to begin to say, let my life be something that gets passed on. Because it doesn't matter how much money you leave. It doesn't matter how much success you have. I don't care what accomplishments you have in this world. They mean absolutely nothing. God says those are going to burn away. But here's what matters. But what did you give of the Lord to someone? And on the other side, I want to ask you, are you receiving? Are you receiving? Are you being spoken into by someone? Are you finding someone to speak into your life so that you might receive? Are you willing to say, I, I want more. I want a double portion. And so therefore, I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep pushing so that what has been committed to me is going to be stirred up. And I'm going to put it into practice. You see, the kingdom of God needs people that begin to say, we're going to keep this thing going, and we're going to make it bigger and better and stronger. It's not going to stop with me until my last breath. You see, until Elijah was taken away, he was still speaking into Elisha. Guys, let's pass it on. Let's pass it on. But before it can pass it on, you got to ask, God, give me something to pass on. Give me a new fire, and let's see it burn. Let's bow our heads.